going to hear about it, Father God. We're so excited to be in your house today, God. And we just ask that every word that comes out of my mouth is yours, Father God. We, we love you and we're ready to meet with you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, man. So um, I have an announcement. It's life-changing. It's drastic. It's really surprising. There's 18 days till Christmas. Woohoo! Earlier, Lockie was whinging that it's too early for Christmas carols, but it's December, so it's definitely not too early for Christmas carols. It's not too early to decorate the tree. Christmas is in full force, friends. Full force. Yes? Can you? Yeah, thanks. Okay. So, is everyone ready for Christmas? Who's going away for Christmas? Hands up. Who's staying in camp for Christmas? Hands up. I feel sorry for you. No, I'm kidding, because then you can come to church on Christmas Day. If you don't know, if you're new, if you don't normally come to church or your parents aren't Christians and don't normally go to church on Christmas, we have a church service on Christmas Day. I think it's at 9 or 9.30, Meg? 9.30. And it's only one hour, so you can come, have your breakfast. Yes, please, Isaac. Come, have your breakfast, come to church, and then go home and do presents, and it's the best. All right. So my message today is called Wrong Baby. It doesn't make sense now, but it's going to make sense in a second. So when I was a kid, I didn't have Jesus in my Christmas, right? So Christmas was the best thing in the world, though, right? When you're a kid, Christmas is the best. And I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, what's the best present I ever got? And it would have had to have been when I was like six, right? Because presents are less exciting as you get older. But Christmas is still the same. You get to eat really a lot of food and hang out with your family and I just love Christmas. I have cousins that are giants, like the shortest one is Elliot's height, if you know who Elliot is, and he's really tall. And um, we just used to, <laughs> Mount Everest, um, we used to hang out w um, at my Christmases when I was a kid, my sister and my cousins and I, and we used to, you know, you'd have a bacon sandwich in the morning for breakfast and then open your presents and spend the rest of the day on the beach and playing with the toys that you got for Christmas. Um, but I remember one year, I was probably about eight, and we're at my grandparents' house, and all I wanted that year was a baby born. Does everyone know what a baby born is? So it's like this baby doll that you fed and then it would poop and you change it sappy. And like at the time, that was the single most exciting doll in the world. And my midwife, yeah, I look back at minutes like that and I was like, God, why did I ever think I wanted to be a doctor? Um, <laughs> anyways, and I went on Christmas Eve, I went and I shook all the presents. Who shakes the presents? Does anyone shake the presents? Yeah, so I was shaking the presents on the day before Christmas and thinking, I think that's a baby born. I was so excited. I thought it was a baby born. Woke up 6 a.m. Christmas morning, kicked my parents, went down to the Christmas tree, sat until they got there, opened the present, and it wasn't a baby born. It was, <laughs> it was still a baby doll, right? But it was one of these ones where you pull out the dummy, and then it cries, and you stick the dummy back in, pull out the dummy, and then it laughs, and that's it. What a boring baby doll, right? And honestly, by the end of that weekend, my parents were ready to murder me because it was just this crying, laughing baby around the house for the whole weekend. Anyways, I was devastated. I was, I was really sad. That baby didn't poop. I can feed that baby. What's the point? That's not real. That's not what babies do. Babies, well, I mean, they do just cry, let's, let's be honest. But um, I was so devastated, and it wasn't because my parents gave me the wrong baby doll, but because I didn't have the baby Jesus in my Christmases. So when I was a kid, I didn't have Jesus in my Christmas. I didn't know the Christmas story any more than the Away in a Manger story, right? That was the extent that I knew about Jesus. My mom was a Christian since I grew up, but the rest of my family wasn't, so we just didn't really talk about it. And I figured that there's probably a lot of kids here that didn't grow up in a Christian home, right? That have met Jesus when they're a little bit older or just have never got through the Christmas story fully because they think that they probably know it, right? 
So what I'm going to do today is talk about Christmas. Is that all right? Is everyone okay with that? So let's start with the Bible. There's a lot of Bible in here, but I'm going to tell it like a story. I've got a lot of it from the message, which I think is like beautiful storytelling. And so I'm going to tell this Christmas story today. So we're going to start in Luke 1, 26. God sent the angel, oh gosh, good start, Victoria. Um, God sent the angel Gabriel in the Galilean vision. Vi- Hold on. I'm like this. Okay. <laughs> God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call him Jesus. He will be great, called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever and ever to no end to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. I don't know why, but in, I always hear it in like Sandy from Greece's voice when I read that verse. Uh, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. Now, I imagine here that she's still not really very convinced because the angel's still convincing her. Like he's been convincing her for a good 30 seconds now and she's still like, what? Anyways, pick up at 36. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son as old as she is? Now, I've looked this up, right? One source said she was 88. One said she was 50. So we're going to go with 70. But the point is that she's way too old to be having a baby and she's six months pregnant. Everyone called her barren and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. And then the angel left her. I really like the example of Elizabeth and Mary in this scenario. So they're cousins. And sometimes I feel like when God is working a miracle in your life, you need to be reminded of the miracles in other people's life to be convinced that it's a miracle, right? So firstly, Mary's chatting to an angel and she's not convinced that she's hearing from God or that she's, the first thing she's not convinced of, she's a pregnant virgin. Like at this point, there's no bump there. She doesn't know what's going on. It's not obvious, right? And secondly, she doesn't, Like, it'd be pretty hard to believe that you're carrying the Messiah. This has never happened before, right? Like, virgin conception with the Messiah, like, what's going on here? This is is incredible. So the angel uses the story of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy to assure Mary that the miracle was actually happening with her. Sometimes we need to build faith on the people around us to believe, to have faith for ourselves. If the angel said, you know, guy down the market who sits next to the guy with the donkey, the one that sells eggs, well, God's doing something really good with him, which means it's going to be good with you. Like, that's not very convincing, right? So she said, um, sorry, but because Mary had seen the God miracle that was in Elizabeth's life, she could have faith for herself as well. So this is like, side note, this is why it's so important to share your testimony with the people that are around you. Like a lot of people can meet God through the things that you tell them and the story that you have inside of your life that you can share with them. That's how they meet God. So share your testimony. Had Mary not believed in Elizabeth's miracle, she may have not believed for her own. Now, I don't think that that would have changed anything because God was going to grow that baby inside her tummy anyways, I reckon. But (laughs) Um, in verse 37, it says, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. 
Despite the explanation, I imagine there were still a lot of questions in Mary's mind. But in spite of all of this, she was still obedient and humble. She knew that there was going to be lots of struggles ahead of her, but she was obedient to God's instruction for her life. When you listen to God and be obedient to Him, there are always going to be sacrifices and blessings. Mary sacrificed her body to God, endured the pain of being ridiculed and judged for being a pregnant virgin, physically endured the pain of labor, and then the excruciating pain of watching her son die on a cross. But the blessing was that she had a crucial part to one of the most, to the most incredible thing that has ever happened on earth. She was able to give birth to Jesus, raise him, and spend time with him while he was on earth. And all of this blessing was because she was obedient to God. When I ask you to do something and you're obedient to me, yeah, you probably won't get much out of it. But when you are faithfully obedient to God, miraculous things can happen. I'm just going to have a walk. Do you remember when Jackson was here for youth camp and you had to scream every time he had water? I feel like we should bring that back. That was funny. <laughs> All right. Picking up in the Bible, Matthew 1, 18, 25. Sorry, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. This is in brackets. I love this. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. <laughs> I, love I told Pastor John about that and just cracked it laughing in Australia. Um, Joseph, annoyed but noble, determined to take, their, take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, God saves, because he will save people from their sins. God isn't giving Joseph a way out here, right? <laughs> He's like, you, Joseph, you're the one that's going to be hanging around and giving this baby his name. So no taking care of things quietly business, right? <laughs> Back to the dream. This will bring the prophet's embryonic servant to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what the angel commanded in the dream and married Mary. He did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. The baby was named Jesus. So obviously Joseph listened to, listened to God. Um, so throughout various spots in the Bible, there are parts where the Old Testament is prophesying what happens in the New Testament. So the prophecy that they're talking about there where it says the embryonic, embryonic sermon, which I think is just a funny sentence, is um, in Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, it says, For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Now, this message is from Isaiah, and it's written about 800 years before Jesus was born. And it's called The Prophecy of the Child That Is Born. Now, I'm starting to be a midwife, and at the moment, I get to hang out with really tiny babies all the time. And I think it's pretty amazing that these tiny babies that I see born grow up to be people that will have a wife, you know, will drive a car, will get a job, might win the lottery, um, maybe we'll, you know, run a marathon. Like, that's pretty hard to comprehend that this tiny, tiny human can amount to so much. But not only is this prophecy saying that this baby will one day have a wife, but that he is 
the savior of the universe, that he is the man that was going to die on a cross to save us from our sins, who here is described as amazing counselor, strong God, eternal father, and prince of wholeness. Now, I think that's pretty cool, right? It is pretty cool. Back to the Bible, Luke um, 2, 6, starting at verse 6. While Joseph and Mary were in Nazareth, there, tam- there came time for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They set their night watches over the sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce that a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town. A savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're looking for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who praise him. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So even here, the shepherds are telling everybody that they've seen the baby Jesus. So you probably ask me, yeah, Vic, cool, I know this story, what's, what's the point? Um, I, my short answer is everything. <laughs> my long answer is that in, in this verse, in the end of verse 14, Luke 2.14, it's literally giving us a challenge right here. It says, um, the shepherds went and, er, and all that heard it were amazed. So over this Christmas period, there are hundreds of thousands of opportunities for you to share Jesus, right? So um, if you come from a non-Christian home, this message, this message is particularly for you. But if you come from a Christian home, that does not mean that you get a cop out either. Um, we're coming up to this time of year when all of the holiday Christians come out of the bushes, the ones that just come on Christmas and Easter. And even atheists and non-Christians are saturated with pictures of Christmas everywhere, right? So even though there are opportunities every single day of the year for us to share Jesus with them, today, over the Christmas period, there are hundreds of thousands of opportunities for you to share Jesus. Um, and I know it's really difficult. Like, it's, it's like we're not called to live the easy life when we become Christians and sharing, sharing the gospel is difficult. But we're going to pray about that a bit in a bit. But um, I have a challenge for you. So after the service, you're all going to get one of these. Do you know what this is? Thank goodness. Okay, so every time that you see a candy cane from now until Christmas, you have to think of a shepherd's crook. So the shepherds in Luke 2 are telling people about the baby Jesus and everyone that heard were amazed. So every time you see a candy cane, you have to share Jesus with someone. Now, if you are sitting, if you are Joe Cathy and you are sitting at Christmas dinner with the Cathy's, I'm not expecting you to try and introduce people to Jesus at that dinner table, but I want you to get out your phone and text someone. If you are, if you are at Coles and you see a candy cane at the register, it doesn't have to, you don't have to pull this woman aside from her job, but just like say something small to remind her that Christmas is about Jesus. Invite them to church on Christmas Day. Share your testimony with them like we talked about earlier. Show them God's love and generosity. You don't have to talk about Jesus. You can just live Jesus through them and show them what God's love is like. 
Do whatever you need to focus back on the right baby. Does everyone get that? Is that mission clear enough? I don't think it's really that complicated. And you even have a candy cane. So maybe you can give your candy cane out to someone. <laughs> that can be your sharing with Jesus. Use this candy cane as an example. So your, your mission is to share Jesus with someone. Now, I just want to give an opportunity if anyone in this room doesn't know Jesus. This time of year is awesome. We get to talk about Him all the time. We get to talk about Him all the time. Um, and there's this tiny baby that was humbled, who was, who was hanging out with God in heaven, right? And, and his, dad, his dad sent him down to earth to pay for all of our sins. And he lay in that manger. He went through the trauma of being born. Like, that's pretty sticky. Like, <laughs> and um, yeah, midwife knowledge. Um, yeah, and he, and he hung out on earth and he lay in a manger and he met with humans and he was in a world of sin when he didn't have to be. And so if everyone just wants to close their eyes and in a second, I'm going to count to three. And if that's, if that's you, if you want to meet with Jesus for the first time or the hundredth time, that's okay. Um, we'd love to pray with you. They say that, um, that heaven has a party every time someone becomes a Christian and we want to have a party. We want to celebrate you because we're family here and we love you to the stars and back and we want to celebrate um, your meeting with Jesus. So I'm going to count to three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he wants you to be part of his family. And three, if that's you, just put up your hand. There's so much love on you, whether you put your hand up or not. And if you're too scared to put your hand up and you just want to come talk to a leader later, that's also fine. That's all good. That's all good. You can open your eyes now, guys. The other thing that I want to pray for tonight is um, strength and courage and confidence to share God's Word. Like, especially if you come from a non-Christian family, I understand how hard it is to try and talk to your mom and dad about Jesus. <laughs> like, they drop you off to church every week and confidently say, I want nothing to do with that, right? And that's really, really hard. If you're a kid growing up in that home or if you have friends at school that you want to see saved so bad, that you see them struggle with depression or anxiety or anything like that and you're just watching them struggle and you want to introduce them to Jesus. But yes, you're putting yourself on the line and that's really hard. So I'm going to pray for that. And if everyone wants to close their eyes and if that's you, if you have one friend you're thinking of, one family member you're thinking of that you want to talk to Jesus, talk with about Jesus this Christmas, I just want you to stand up. We're not going to come to the front, not going to embarrass you. It's literally just standing on your feet and then I'm going to pray for everyone as a whole. If, everyone, if anyone wants to stand up, that's awesome. That's so good. God, we thank you for every single person that is standing tonight, God. We pray for every person that is on their mind, whether it's a hundred or whether it's one, God. We pray for whole schools and whole families, God. We pray for the candy canes, God. We pray that they, we see them all the time. <laughs> we want to see the candy canes all the time, God. We want so many opportunities, Father God, to meet with you and to introduce people to you over this Christmas period, Father God. We pray, for the comf uh, we pray for the ability to listen to your voice firstly. God, we want to hear from you. We want to reach who you want us to reach. Father God, secondly, we pray for the confidence and the courage to actually go over there and talk to them. Father God, we pray for our legs to be physically strengthened so when you say go walk over to that person and talk to them, your legs will do it for you. Father God, we ask and we pray for all of these people. God, I particularly pray for people whose families aren't saved. God, we pray that 
there were so many opportunities for them to meet with those people, God, to meet with their mom and dad and talk to them about Jesus. God, we pray for the Christmas service, God. We pray that we're able to invite so many people to the carols and the Christmas service, God, because at the end of the day, we want them to meet with you. And in any which way, Father God, we pray that we can meet with you this Christmas, Father God. We love you so much. Thank you so much for coming down as a baby, God, for giving us the reason to celebrate this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the title of tonight is called Noel, right? Yes? I think it looks like a Christmas pudding. I like it. Um, but in, I think it's really fitting that we sing the first Noel because it's Christmas. So we're going to sing another carol, and then Joel and Ethan will take back over. <laughs> 